Welcome to All Kinds. I'm Chaya. And today we're going to talk about Skin Care 401 for anyone and everyone. Tips from my visit to the dermatologist. The original and smart how-to with John Wilson. It's a modern masterpiece. Pete Corrielli. Thank me later. This guy's hilarious. Even his old shit. We'll touch on some weekly updates. Rest in peace, Maradona. Elliot Page introduces himself. Johnny's fans are now trying to cancel Amber. Matthew Perry's engaged. Ho-hum. Voices of Fire takes it to church and Pharrell launches a new skincare line. Apartment shaming. The new cause celeb. Who knew? Welcome back, everybody. I know it's been a couple weeks, but, you know, I'm getting through my course. We're finally over, so I'm excited to be back here with everybody and get right into it. There's been a lot going on. Uh, I saw something pretty funny. Uh, There was an actor named Lucas Gage. He's been in a few things, and he was auditioning, and I guess the director didn't realize that he could hear him, and he was doing the audition at home, and Basically, the director started shitting on his apartment. He said that poor little apartment, I can't believe people live like this, something along those lines. And the actor was like, I can hear you. Yes, I know it's a shitty apartment. Give me the job so I don't have to live in a four by four. The apartment looked decent, like your average studio that I guess, you know, working actors would live in. And this guy's been in a few things. Look him up, Lucas Gage. But the apartment shaming was too much. The video went viral. The actor released it. So far, I've seen even on the BBC, the director has apologized. We don't know if Lucas got the gig, but I would imagine so at this point. If not, (laughs) I can't imagine that, you know, he wouldn't get the gig. So we'll see what happens. But it really made the rounds because we have seen such a disconnect, particularly from Hollywood types in this pandemic. And here's a guy just trying to, you know, make a living while, like everybody else at home, he couldn't be in person for the audition. And he didn't need to hear that garbage. So I hope he got it and I hope things move forward. And I hope everyone learned a lesson there. You know, you shouldn't be judging. I know we all try to do fancy backgrounds and all that. And I thought it was decent. If you guys have seen this video, yeah, you see his TV in the background. I mean, he clearly lives there, but who isn't at home? We should be at home right now, from my understanding. Anyway, so that was pretty funny. We got to stop the apartment shaming, put a little plant in the background and nobody should say anything. And we also saw they were making a big stink about this. And I saw it in so many news outlets. And it's kind of ridiculous. Matthew Perry is engaged. The guy is 51. She's now 29. But he's been with her for a couple years. I guess when she was 27, he was 49. Now, he has made no secret about struggling with addiction and dealing with the fame of friends. And I guess, you know, it looks like your typical creepy-ish type of Hollywood scenario, even though she's in her late 20s. My thoughts, you guys have always heard me say this. If you can't carry a conversation with a woman in her 30s, then it's creepy. I mean, you're you're over 50. And think about it. A woman in her 30s is like the same as someone in their late 20s. Like you still have, I mean, physically speaking, everything's still up. There's no wrinkles. Uh, It's about the same physical, but mentally a little more maturity. And you should be able to have that conversation. There'll always be a power dynamic, especially with large age gaps. I don't care if everyone's happy and healthy. These are consenting adults. But the fact that they were, you know, putting it in all the outlets, like some to celebrate like a romance for the ages. I was like, whatever. It's your typical creepness. Whatever. We'll see how long this lasts. Who knows? It's none of our business, I guess. But 
lauding it like it's some, oh my God, can you believe it? How amazing. Okay, whatever. (laughs) That's my take on it. Go forward, live in peace, hope it works out, whatever. And we all talked about the Johnny and Amber Heard fiasco court case thing that happened. You know, he's officially a wife beater as per the court case. But the thing is, now that he's been kicked off the Fantastic Beast trilogy and he's been replaced by Mads, people are trying to do the same thing to Amber. And you guys will remember during the case, it came out that this was some super toxic relationship. There was like abuse coming on both sides. Like he has recordings of her being abusive and she has pictures of him being abusive. It was very ridiculous in the details, you know, kind of like up there. You're like, is Rudy Giuliani representing these people? I don't know. It was that ridiculous. It was a circus. But he lost the case. So legally, officially, you can call him a wife beater. And even if they didn't agree with it and you don't think he is, you can kick him off for something like that. So they were able to get rid of him. You can't just kick her off because she's technically not. She didn't bring the case. He tried to appeal. He's lost. There's been a petition for 1.5 million signatures that came out this week trying to boot her off Aquaman 2. You can't do it. There's legal ramifications and all kinds. I don't think it's going to happen. They love the publicity. I'm sure it's helping and not hurting. So he's going to you know, be paying that price, I guess. We'll see if it affects him in his career going forward, but it doesn't seem to be affecting hers. So I guess good for her. We saw also that Elliot Page introduced himself. Now, you guys will remember the movie Juno, where Ellen, that's formerly before the transition, Ellen Page, I believe, won an Oscar for that and came out and made a big statement and has introduced himself completely as Elliot Page moving forward. Will, I guess, be doing roles under that name. Well, for sure, this is who he is. Excuse me. (laughs) But it was big news in the trans community because they're getting more and more visibility We all know Laverne. Everyone knows from Orange is the New Black. And I guess it's good to have other examples out there for those who need that inspiration and to make it a little less stigmatized, even though it is Hollywood. And Elliot is likely not to face the same kind of discrimination as someone, let's say, in Kentucky. There are still uh, issues and, you know, adults are adults and it should be their choice. And if, you know, if he's happy, good for him. We'll see how that works out in terms of the projects he takes and things like that. But actors are actors, so it shouldn't really matter. Like if, you know, he wants to take roles that maybe people would have traditionally seen for the Juno type role, then they'll do that. And if not, we'll see. But I expect we'll see a lot more. I expect uh, Elliot won't be the first or last to introduce himself in such a high profile in the entertainment industry. There was big news also on the sports front. Uh, Diego Maradona passed away at 60. Now, if you guys don't know him, he is a legend in soccer. This guy, it's very, very interesting, his whole story. There's a documentary on HBO that I watched. If you need a good sports documentary, this is definitely worth it. It's got a lot of drama. Even if you don't know too much about soccer, I mean, these sports documentaries can be very uplifting. This guy grew up super poor in Argentina, and he started in Boca Junior. Then he went on to Spain. He ended up in Napoli. Like, they had never won a thing in Napoli, and it's very mafia in there. It's a known thing. Anyway, he ended up killing it there, and I'm not going to say he was involved in the mafia, but it's they make it very clear he was protected. This guy had such a crazy life. He's a very controversial player. He was very talented on the field, but outside of football, this guy was a hot mess. He did a ton of drugs, booze, all that kind of stuff. He even had this affair, and they were like, oh, it's your kid, and he denied it for like a solid 20 years. 
he finally did admit like 20 years later, yeah, it's my kid. I think the kid is like a dead ringer for him as well, right? You can't miss it. But the whole thing is, you know, he did die at 60, which was weird because he had a surgery like a week or two before, I think on his head. And then like he was good enough to be discharged from the hospital. He went home and I'm like, poof, he's dead. It's very suspicious. I think they're looking into it. Something doesn't seem that kosher, but he was a legend like up there with Pele in terms of the greats of soccer. I'm sure that's not the only documentary, but I can say that this HBO documentary, it's just called Diego Maradona. And whether or not you like football, it's very fascinating, very interesting. But, you know, it's like the typical what you thought with, I think, till still today with athletes and drugs, booze, women, men, whatever they're doing, right? You, you know, they're not, these aren't choir boys and girls, you know? So who knows what they're up to? We always hear like in the Olympics, the village is like basically some big, huge circuit party and there's all kinds of orgies and stuff. So it's no surprise, but this one's very interesting. So take a look at it if you guys want to watch a sports documentary that also has a lot of drama. And then speaking of which, you guys, I told you that we watched The Queen's Gambit and we thought we're, oh, great. You know, it's a renewed interest in chess. You know, Bruno has played chess and he's like, you know what? I'll show you. I'm terrible. I think I learned briefly as a kid and just went right to checkers. And he's like, let's look and see if we can get a chess set. And I was saying, you know, they're so beautiful. A lot of these chess sets, they're like works of art and people proudly display them as furniture in their home. You know, some people just to look smart, but other people, it's a beautiful thing. You can get them in marble and wood, even themed. I mean, it's such a whole industry and it's been going on for so long. All of them are sold out. <laughs> this Queen's Gambit has had interest in chess soaring, especially because, you know, we're in a pandemic and everyone's looking for games of all kinds. I'm sure you guys have all heard that you can't get a PS5. You know, you think PS5 so technologically advanced, you also can't get a chess set that people have been playing for forever. So I don't know when some are going to become available. I mean, it's a battle for the PS5s and they're very expensive. They're like 600 bucks, but chess sets can get very expensive too, depending, they can be customized. But you can also get like really cheap sets, but those are all sold out. You don't have a variety with the PS5. I mean, we go from toilet paper to now, you know, super technological advancements in gaming, the PS5 to, oh yeah, what about chess? <laughs> so you can't get anything. So uh, we'll see. Hopefully more become available. Maybe you'll find some in the back of your dollar store, you know, the ones with the little magnets that you'd take traveling or like your grandparents used to give you to try to encourage you to play these types of board games. Hopefully we find some. But, you know, the actress who played the Queen's Gambit, her name is Anya Taylor-Joy. She came out and said she doesn't think she's attractive for Hollywood. She's too weird looking. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, why would you even say that? She's gorgeous. She has a unique look. She doesn't look like everybody else, which is kind of refreshing. But she's in all these top roles. So I'm like, what are you talking about? You're too weird for Hollywood. You're in Hollywood. You have leading roles. You know, she's a, not formulaic, but she is a skinny, white, pretty lady. I, I don't even know where she's getting this from. And I was like, it reminded me of like when you used to have in the 90s, people would have to be like super skinny. And you'd always have someone who was maybe like a little too skinny and they'd be in the room like, oh, no, maybe I'm too skinny. And but really, they didn't mean it. They were delighted. And I think they used to have I don't know which comedian it was who was like, you can never be too skinny or too rich. It was like that whole thing. So it comes across a little disingenuous, you know, good for her, but it's obviously not stopping her. So I don't know what she's talking about. 
But I did see also, I love gospel music, and Pharrell Williams came out with Voices of Fire. Basically, his uncle is a pastor and wanted to put together this mega, mega, once-in-a-lifetime, best voices gospel choir, and they document that with the tryouts and then them coming together. And Pharrell, you got to give him credit. He's a huge success, and he's putting his money and his time around this and helping uplift his community. It's great to watch. We have so many of these like singing type competitions. And every time you watch like, you know, one of these competitions, whether it be The Voice, American Idol, there's always someone who has that gospel background who is just incredible, incredible. And we know that from Whitney and other divas that we've all come to know and love. But there's something about bringing the most amazing divas. I mean, all these gospel divas all in the same place. It's just a joy to watch. And so he's in the news, and he's got that going on Netflix. It's called Voices of Fire. But then he says he's launching a gender-neutral skincare line called Human Race. And I was just like, okay, you know, before gender-neutral, I don't know if you guys remember, we had something called unisex. It means exactly the same thing. It really does. And I remember when CK1 came out. I don't know if you guys remember that. It's a perfume. It had like a citrusy smell. And it was this huge deal. Oh, my God, men and women could use it. Can you believe it? People were going crazy for it. And they had all these campaigns everywhere. And it was a little ridiculous because I always think, like, there's no law on this. If you wanted to use a perfume that was for, quote, unquote, men, you can and vice versa. If anything, there was more pressure on men. And there still is in a way because you can go and if you want to smell like a pine tree or whatever the spices are that they do for men, You can do it. It's not that harsh, right? But they give men a harder time if they smell like lavender, for example. And you saw when Dove came out with the hair care for men, I laughed because I was like, it's the same stuff, maybe a different scent, but it's the same chemical ingredients. I mean, he's just sort of cashing in on this whole gender neutral trend. Because what is that? I mean, you always could use my moisturizer. You could use it. CeraVe, best moisturizer. It's for men, women, whatever. I guess it's not labeled unisex or gender neutral, but there's so many things that just are. And to actually put that front and center, I'm like, okay, we see what's going on here. Because it used to be really bad, even with unisex, that it just meant, like, for clothing, shapeless. And for myself, like, I was a petite person, still am, and if I would put on, like, for example, a sweatshirt, I'm just lost in it. I used to look like a kid, even though I'd be, like, in my 20s. So now I'm like, okay, I don't want everything to be gender neutral because I want something to fit me. Let's not forget that we are different people with different sizes and you have different needs. Recently, I got a sweatshirt and it was tailored for me. You know, it was for women and I'm, that's my body shape. I'm a petite lady and it fit me beautifully. I'm like, if they just had gender neutral, I would just look like a blob. And there's no real laws. Like I said, these are society standards. So if you want to wear something and it's typically for men, Nobody's stopping you. It's like I said last episode, just because something is in in style doesn't stop you from wearing it, period. So don't go by this garbage. You don't need to feel those pressures and be you. If you like something, who cares? So yeah, he's going to say it's gender neutral. Well, I have news for you. All skincare lines are gender neutral. So enjoy. There's no law. (laughs) You know, I went to the dermatologist myself and I was concerned because I thought I had like a skin tag or something on my face. And she's like, okay. And I'm like, well, what is this like age spot? Like, I'm not 80, I'm 40. What is that? She goes, listen, you're paying for the sins of your childhood and your teenagehood, even when you're older. I said to her, listen, when I was in my 20s, I had a good friend. He was a 
50-plus-year-old white gay man. His skin was fantastic. And he told me, he's like, whatever you do, don't use cleansers on your skin. Just use water. And I'm like, well, okay, sometimes I wear makeup. So he's like, in that case, fine. But if you don't need to, just literally just water. When you're in the shower, don't put cleansers, toners, all of that. And of course, wear your SPF. So that's what I said to her. I said, at least since 29, I've been wearing moisturizer with SPF 30, broad spectrum, UVA, UVB. I saw a whole study that says past, you know, 30, it's all marketing, 30 to 60 to 80. But she corrected me and she said, you need to stop right now and you need to be wearing SPF 50 because apparently those tests, when they test the sunscreen, it's in a lab setting where they slather it on. And we're not doing that in real life unless you're like at a beach when you're just wearing your daily sunscreen, you're putting on a very thin film, even if it's especially in one of those moisturizers. And then you might be putting your makeup on on top of it. So you're not going to put on the actual amount to get that protection. So that's why she said you have to go up to SPF 50. And because I'm 40, she's like, well, I think you should start using retinol if you want to have healthy skin as you age. I'm like, well, I'm concerned because, you know, that could really be very harsh. It takes a while to get used to. So she gave me a prescription for retinol cream. You can ask your dermatologist. There's so many different kinds. As long as it has retinol in it, that's what's proven. And I'm going to try that out. It's going to be every three days. We'll see how that goes. But the other issue I went to see her is, is that I feel like I was losing some hair. I talked about this and I got the shampoos, but I thought, let me get a medical assessment here because there's so many shampoos and things. It's such a market. So she told me the only thing that medically works that's been proven that's good is Minoxil, which we all know by the marketing name of Rogaine, as long as it has that. And when I went to the pharmacist and I'm like, okay, well, which one should I use? There's one for men and women. I'm like, is that just marketing or is there anything different? He's like, no, that is just marketing once again, right? But he said, the woman's one here happens to have a higher concentration. So you can use the men, it's only 2%. I don't know why they're doing that. I guess they figure they'll keep the men around a lot longer using it versus the women. I think they're just screwing them. And sometimes I find they make things a lot easier in terms of marketing. They don't have a lot of confidence in men. When I first started getting a few gray hairs, I was like, well, I don't want to dye my whole head. I just want to get like a little bit of hair dye that I could try to like target the strands, if you will. And I'm like, the easiest thing will be just for men. I know they think men are stupid. It'll be so simple, so easy, three steps. And sure enough, I bought it and it is. And there's only like four colors, like black, brown, red, blonde, right? You go into a women's aisle, holy bananas, right? It's like an aisle and a half in my store. And there's so many different types. And once again, men can feel free to use these. This, there's no rules here, right? But it's just a lot simpler. And she told me that I'm having female pattern baldness. And I'm getting a second opinion, guys. I'm doing a blood test. But apparently it's very common. I didn't realize that because it doesn't run in my family. We learned in school that, you know, baldness goes by your maternal grandparents. And on both sides, full thick heads of hair. She's like, yeah, it could be that they had it. You don't know because they had a few strands coming out, but congratulations, you're the first with like possible visible ramifications to come. I'm like, fantastic. So I'm getting a second opinion. I'm going to do some blood work and see, make sure it's nothing else. But if you want, yeah, if you're having that issue, minoxyl is the only thing that works. And tips from my dermatologist, remember, SPF 50, if you're going to start the retinol, you can start it with every three days and just a tiny bit. Don't wash your face unless you absolutely have to. With that, I'm going to have to take a quick commercial. This week's episode is brought to you by Snowflake Toothpaste. 
Looking for supremely white teeth? Whether you're old, young, no matter what race or gender, Snowflake works for everyone, even on dentures. Not sure if you feel right about plaque or tartar? Feeling left out of the mouthwash conversation? For blindingly white teeth in any mouth, Snowflake toothpaste for very fine teeth on both sides of your mouth. Snowflake is recommended by the North American Dental Association. Portions of Snowflake go toward its Every Tooth campaign. For every 10 tubes, one is donated to shoeless children in a shithole country. And I'm back. So you guys, I don't know if you've heard about this, this how-to with John Wilson on HBO. I kept seeing articles about it and no one can properly describe it. I was like, what is this? I said to Bruno, we got to watch this. So essentially we did and we loved it. It is six episodes. They're very short, they're like 30 minutes. It's an audiovisual masterpiece. This guy, obviously, he's a filmmaker and he grew up and he says filming everything nonstop. What he managed to do is take a bunch of images and weave a story together. And there's a little story and there are cute little lessons, but they speak a lot more than just that. How to split the check is one episode, right? But it's really snapshots of people and humanity. And it's very moving. It's hard to explain, but it gives you a beautiful imagery of New York and just people in general and some of the motivations that underpin us all, bring us all together. It's a wonderful experience, a very moving experience, and the most original thing I have seen in a very long time. Entertaining, too. It's just six short episodes. If this guy doesn't win awards, I don't know. This is a masterpiece. You guys check it out. You'll see what I mean. It's so unique. Sometimes you just see an image and it's like a mannequin, but he threads it into a story. He like stitches it together. It's almost like, you know, when you're a kid and you had those flip books and they were like little cartoons and you'd see something running. It's sort of like that, but with multiple images weaving an entire story together based on his life, but also about all of us in general. And it's nice to see all that coming out of New York, which is like a microcosm of everything else. Doesn't matter where you are, you can relate to it. And it's just very visually stunning in that sense. You guys will love it. Check it out. And my sister had said to me that I should check out Whitney Cummings. She does a podcast. And she said that one of our favorite comedians, Sebastian Maniscalco, was on it. Well, we started watching it, Bruno and I. And then he kept mentioning his good friend, Pete. And they both know him. I hadn't seen Pete Corrielli, so I'm a little late to the party. But holy crap, this guy is hilarious. Him and Sebastian have their own podcast that they do weekly, The Pete and Sebastian Show. And you can find that on all platforms and they tape it and it's hilarious. Like uh, Pete's in his basement and Sebastian's in his movie room. I guess he's in out in L.A. and Pete had moved to a small town in upstate New York. This guy has a super thick New York accent. He's one of those people that you just know is naturally funny in real life. He's just funny. Like he doesn't have to think that hard about it. Yeah, he has material, and you'll see that because we started looking up specials, and you see some of his classic jokes that I'm not going to tell you right now, but they'll play in each of his specials. We've seen them in a couple times now. But off the cuff, this guy can react. He has a very, very, very good clock speed, and he's absolutely hilarious. And that's become literally like our favorite podcast, The Pete and Sebastian Show. They're serious, don't get me wrong, but they're just hilarious. Like two great guys having a conversation, two family men. I mean, it's just funny. He's like a fish out of water in upstate New York. He's like hardcore New Yorker accent and living in like a sleepy town. And from what I understand, a Victorian big like money pit type of house. So rambling big house. But it's hilarious. You guys will thank me later. He doesn't have a lot of work out there. 
There is some stuff on Amazon, and he's done, like, as part of a special on Just for Laughs, Sebastian and Friends. He has a good set there, too. And the last thing I saw was from 2020 it was released, but I believe clearly, well, I don't need to believe. You could tell it's pre-pandemic, so it was filmed in 2019. Because I don't know, the comedians, they have to go and try out their stuff. They got to hit the clubs, try it. If it doesn't work, they, they cancel it. They go in different directions. And that's why they're always touring. That's why you can have like a super famous comedian just drop in any time at any of these tiny clubs unannounced. They got to see how the material is going to work. Even if they have a big special coming up, they can't really do that because if they try to do like a Zoom type concert, I mean, you might feel obligated to laugh. I mean, they're looking right at you. You can see them. Even though you can do that in a club, it's a different atmosphere. It's, it's weirder. So they don't really get an opportunity to test it out in front of live audiences. They don't get that laugh, that natural laugh coming back at them. So we could be in for a whole lot of really whack comedians coming out of this thing. We'll see because everybody needs to laugh. And I hope that as soon as this thing is over, these guys get out there and really hone their craft because we're all in need of some good humor these days. That's for sure. But if you're looking for some good stand up, his old stuff is still hilarious. So check it out, Pete Corrielli, and definitely the podcast, The Pete and Sebastian Show, for sure. Well, if you guys like what you hear, don't forget to check us out weekly on iTunes or on your preferred platform. Please give us a rating and subscribe to the show. Give us the stars you think we deserve. Check out the website at allkindspodcast.com. You can also hit us up on Twitter at All Kinds Weekly or on Instagram at All Kinds Podcast. I look forward to hearing from you and maybe I can discuss it on our next show. Thanks for listening.